I'm happy to have on the show today, Craig Vashon. He's the CEO of AI Redefined. They focus on live human AI collaboration solutions for any context. We were just talking about the critical nature of humans interfacing with AI and how we're now seeing it revolutionize the technology. So what's your perspective on this, Craig? For six years, AI Redefined has pioneered a technique in AI called reinforcement learning with human feedback. And I have to tell you, it was a frustrating five and a half years. The first five and a half years, we spent talking to industry captains. We spoke with AI researchers from MIT, from Stanford, from some of the best universities, some of the best thinkers in the world. We talked to some of the largest corporations in America. We talked to the best venture capitalists and almost to a person Everyone said, if we have to have humans and AI combined, we're missing the boat. We're not going to be successful. And for five and a half years, we struggled because we spent time building an open source RLHF platform that really helped fine-tune solutions, specifically in the decision optimization market. But we never captured anyone's attention. Lo and behold, a gentleman by the name of Sam Altman, about nine months ago, came forward when asked why ChatGPT was so successful when his previous iteration, GPT 3.5, only had 20,000 users. And yet ChatGPT had more than 100 million users in the first two months alone. When pressed, Sam said there were two attributes that were were specifically accountable for the success. One was a slight modification to the user experience, and the second was reinforcement learning with human feedback. And suddenly, my little tiny company that had so much trouble gaining the attention of the world was now very popular and very much at the top of everyone's discussion around artificial intelligence. So what is this boom? done for you? What have you experienced? I think the amount of, of inbound requests for to be a customer, to be an investor, to be an acquirer of our company has from literally zero to today handling. We just put up a beta list for our RLHF program for LLMs so that you can create your own hyper-personalized LLM if you run a a company. And we had hundreds of people, hundreds of companies signing up in the first day uh, to get on the waiting list. That kind of dramatic a digital switch of we didn't exist to suddenly we're enormously popular. And so it must be nice after that long run of struggle to have the lights turn on, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's shocking to even talk with some of the VCs that a year ago we spoke with them and they said, uh, we just don't, we have no conviction about your technology to suddenly we've always been believers in RLHF and humans have to be a part of AI and do your best to be polite and tell them, of course, you said that to a year ago. Of course, we always knew you were a fan because I think people do want to be on the popular side of new technology discoveries. And even though perhaps we were five and a half years work, we've built a company around 
solving really interesting problems for people that are much more complex than what typical AI instantiations can solve. So taking advantage of this attention, what have you decided is the path forward in positioning your company? I think we will continue to look at really interesting opportunities whereby we can combine the context that humans give AI and the processing power that AI provides. If you think about the first generation of artificial intelligence, social media companies deployed AI that increased engagement of their users. And some of these companies like Meta were really, they did a great job. They increased engagement by 21% until someone stopped and said, you know, but how are they increasing engagement? And they realized pretty quickly they were increasing engagement by amplifying the polarization of our politics or using hate speech or misogyny. But AI was so focused on solving that one problem, increasing engagement, that it did so at the harming humanity, right? And where our company sits is being able to add context and complexity to AI's decision-making. I'll give an example. Our current largest customer is a solar farm asset manager. They're a very large private equity company, and they manage solar farms. They came to us and said, we deployed an AI on prediction of irradiance, and we weren't really that happy with the results. It was only like half a solution. And so we suggested that we perhaps add a multitude of AI and then use our platform, our RLHF platform, in order to add context to the situation. Because irradiance in the solar farm is something that powers the photovoltaic cells to produce energy. But wind prediction will tell you how much dust gets blown onto the photovoltaic cells and that degrades energy production, right? So you need to look contextually, not just at how much the sun is shining every day, but all the other factors that might either increase or degrade the performance of that particular system. And that's where AI Redefined really shines, is being able to take really complex environments like this existing solar farm that, that we're powering is in Australia. And so it's the middle of winter in Australia right now. And if there is a large sporting event, people stay home and want to watch the game, want to watch the match. That increases on the spot market the amount that the energy company is willing to pay at that specific hour. Humans understand that and can apply that to AI, to teach the AI that there are things that humans do that increase the amount of energy needed, which in turn increases the price that large grids are willing to pay. And if you're a smart solar operator with batteries, you know that you can pump more energy in to the system when this energy company is paying more and make a lot more money. Some of our solar farms in Australia we move their IR, their internal rate of return from 6% up to, and that's a remarkable thing for a hard asset investment. 
Can you define what RLHF stands for again? Sure. It's reinforcement learning, which is a, a form of machine learning under the AI umbrella with human feedback. So what we've done is we've created a platform that allows for many different AI feeds to come in and sit on this platform and to be interrupted by humans. And the AI walk away being an apprentice to the human expert. And that's a really interesting thing because if you think about the complexity of the plumbing of this kind of interactions, machines move at enormous speeds and we humans are slow and we have to take bathroom breaks and sometimes our girlfriends break up with us and we're not in 100% cognitive best shape. And having the ability for machines to interact with humans is really what our company is about. Human AI alignment, where you know we can get the very best out of humans and our contextual understanding of the planet and the amazing processing power of AI, right? When you combine those two things, one plus one equals five. Are you, like with this energy client, for example, are you coming in and helping them build their own essentially model, right? Yeah. Are you coming in as a development team and taking your existing tech and helping them mold it to their application? So we've built this platform technology. It's called Cogment. It's open source. And then what we'll do with each of these individual customers is into the Cogment is an API. It's a little hook that allows the data exchange from, and so we'll take their existing IoT devices, temperature, output, those sorts of things, and then add artificial intelligence agents, things like, in this instance, prediction technology for irradiance or prediction technology around wind generation and therefore dust. We'll take a look at when the glass, the photovoltaic cells need to be ordinarily cleaned and we'll create an exploration space by taking all of this information to say that, look, you don't plan on having someone clean those photovoltaic cells for another week. But if you did this so and paid overtime to have them do that today, because the last few days have been very windy and generated a lot of dust, you'll generate an extra 40%. So you'll pay extra for the overtime, but in turn, you're going to make a lot more money by having the best output, energy output possible. And that's where humans and AI can really shine, understanding contextually how these solar farms create the most energy and in turn, then move that energy from batteries into the grid at the best spot market rates. So what, do you and your team actually program the agents specific to the client? Sometimes, or sometimes we'll take agents that already exist, right? There are weather prediction agents that exist. There are wind prediction agents that exist as part of that. And so sometimes we're clusing together on existing products, and sometimes we're having to create a new AI stream that what is the inverter health or what is the battery discharge rate at various temperatures into the grid. And those might or might not exist, but my team is pretty capable of creating those simple AI agents 
that become part of this part of this overall system. And then add in the ability for humans to do what-if analysis. I know there's a big match coming this Saturday night, and I know that people are probably, it's going to be cold outside, and people are probably going to stay in to watch the match. So we know that electricity use will be higher, even though that may not be borne out by an AI working on its own without human intervention. And along those lines of these agents, do they ever get off track? Start going off on a tangent. So how yeah, do you deal so with that? Yeah, so one of the greatest challenges of AI is its ability to drift and to hallucinate, right? And having humans redirect that through their actions, as opposed to saying that's right or wrong, right? That's the very much the difference between OpenAI's RLHF tool and ours. Ours is designed to be implicitly following the expert user. And theirs is designed to be explicitly following the up or down of, and theirs works terrific because they have hundreds of millions of users. And that makes really, that makes data valuable when you have that many users. Our tool was really designed around having this concept of an expert working force that would be augmented by AI and that AI could then learn from those experts and new exploration spaces could be created where you generate more energy or better optimization onto the spot market and the like. Those are the types of tools that we do. And it's not just energy that we focus on. We've created pilot training simulation tools for very large companies for EV tolls, for flying taxis, right? There aren't a whole lot of pilots who can fly an EV toll today. And hence, you can't rely on one pilot training one student that doesn't scale fast enough for that new industry. And hence, you need to have AI that's smart enough to see the weaknesses of the human and augment those weaknesses by coaching them through their rough patches. We also do things like quality assurance for large car manufacturers, where they might have 3,000 robotic arms doing welding and adhesion in a manufacturing plant and maybe three master craftsmen looking for drift, as you mentioned, where suddenly if the weld is in the incorrect space, you've got enormous amounts of wasted resources, right? And so you want to avoid that. And so you have the master craftsmen overlooking 3,000 different robotic arms for tiny millimeter-sized drift so that you can correct it before you increase any of your wastage. You know, I think you really did a good job of defining the differentiator here, that you have an AI that's talking to the broader scope of the general population, and you have an AI that's speaking to experts, which humanity has already assigned. This is an expert in solar farms. This is an expert in pilots. You're going to get two very different forms of artificial intelligence with those two methods. Exactly. The team at OpenAI has to spend a lot of time worrying about adversary relationships with AI, right? Someone who's trying to trick ChatGPT into saying something stupid. I'm fortunate in my experts actually want the AI to help them do a better job, be more efficient, get more done, be more accurate. And so we don't necessarily have to worry about adversarial situations. We tend to be more focused on iterative perfection and our friends at OpenAI 
are more worried about someone trying to trick it into saying AI is going to take over the world. Something silly. Yeah. I think this is really interesting stuff, Craig. If our listeners wanted to learn more or get in touch, how could they do Yeah, we're on all of the social media platforms and our website is ai-r.com. Thank you, Craig, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to smash that subscribe button. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time.